Welcome to the Everyday Ultra Podcast, a show designed to help you level up your training, crush your races, and ultimately become a better endurance athlete every single day. Whether you're an endurance athlete as a hobby or someone who wants to be the best in the sport, this is the show for you. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and thank you so much for listening. Now, let's get into it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and super excited to dive into this episode. Before I do, though, I do want to uh, address a question that I get a lot, which is, what kind of training plan do I use, or do you have recommendations for training plans, or for a coach that I should invest in? So for me, whenever I make recommendations for anything, it's always based on things that I've used in my own running and my own career and what's worked really, really well for me. So for me, um, number one, I think having at least a training plan in your training is crucial to not only get great results and hit your goals, but also to progress safely. So many times, and even in my early career, I remember I would progress really, really quickly uh, in terms of distance and mileage and workouts, and I didn't know what the heck I was doing. And ultimately, I ended up injuring myself. I ended up getting burnt out, and it just was not great at all. And it really was only until I started to follow a solid training plan, um, attuned to my specific race distance, my experience level, how many times uh, I had to really uh, work with in terms of a training block, all those kind of things, I really started to see myself making better progress a lot quicker, making myself be more healthy and not getting injured as many times or not feeling burnt out or mentally strung out by the training. And ultimately, I was able to hit my goals and enjoy my training blocks so, so much more. And on top of that too, I've even gone further and hired a coach as well. But the cool thing is the coach that I hired is the same person who developed the training plans, which is Zach Bitter. Now, if you're familiar with Zach, and you probably are, you know that he's one of the greatest ultramarathon athletes of all time. He's the former record holder for fastest 100-mile time and most miles traveled in a 24-hour period uh, in a running event. Uh, he is just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to all things um, progressing and training and optimization and all those things as well. And what's super cool is he offers pre-made training plans that you can pick based on the distance you're training for, your experience level, and also how much much time that you need to train for the race, which are three important pillars that I think everybody needs to get when it comes to a training plan. Plus, you know, he's coached hundreds and hundreds of athletes as well. So being able to take all that experience from not only his own racing, but also his experience of coaching others, he's able to really fine tune an amazing training plan for you to help hit your goals, whether it's a 5k or whether it's a hundred miles, he has a plan for you. And if you want to go even deeper, you can actually hire him as a personalized coach where he's going to take a plan and personalize it to your lifestyle. So that includes your schedule, your stress levels, your sleep levels, your lifestyle, your goals, everything else like that, he goes even further and personalizes it in a personalized plan and also offers calls where you can hop on with him on a routine basis to go over your training, answer your questions, and ultimately get the coaching you need. That's the package that I've used with Zach over the past year and a half, and I've seen incredible results with him uh, going from pretty much an average and mediocre runner to placing top 10 male at Havelina 100, which was one of the most stacked events last year on the ultra running circuit. So if you want to make great progress, if you want to have an awesome training plan or 
or if you're looking for an amazing coach, I cannot recommend Zach even more than I already do. He is just amazing to uh, work with and just an awesome, awesome coach and uh, person to get a training plan from. So if you're interested in the training plans, go to the, the show notes and go to the link in there, which is zachbitter.com slash training hyphen plans, or you can go to his coaching options at zachbitter.com slash coaching. Again, go to the show notes, check it out, get Zach's plan for your next uh, ultra or hire him as a coach. And I promise you will not be disappointed, my friends. All right. Thank you so much again for listening. Appreciate you a ton. Now let's dive into this amazing episode here. One more thing before we get started with the episode here today, I want to give a shout out to Soul Sports Arizona. They have three different locations in Tempe, Scottsdale, and Arcadia in the Phoenix area. So if you're local to those areas, please pop into one of those local shoe stores. They are amazing. Nathaniel works at the Tempe location, and he's there most days of the week. So if you're looking for your next pair of running shoes after listening to this, highly suggest going there if you're in the Arizona area for sure. All right, everybody, let's get into the episode. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and super stoked to bring you today's episode. So I've known our guest today for maybe about, like, what, six months? Six months or so? Something like that. Uh, But we met just being local in the Phoenix community. I knew of this guy, too, of, you know, I was joking around calling him the mayor of South Mountain because I feel like everybody knows him in the Phoenix community um, because he's known not just for, you know, being a part of Soul Sports running Tempe. Shout out Soul Sports here in Phoenix and having an in-depth knowledge on shoes, being a Hoka flyer, going into all those different things and helping people get set up with, you know, the shoe of their choice. But he's also a super great guy, has tons of running experience, both in the ultra and the sub-ultra field. And he's an all-around great guy with, you know, just tons of knowledge, tons of love and tons of uh, hot takes as well, which we were kind of like having out on today. So today we're going to talk about how he got into running, a little bit of his background. I think it's just super awesome to see all the years and and mileage and, he, and he's still very young he's younger than me too and he's got tons of experience in the field so he's only just getting started so it's super cool to hear that perspective but he's got so much uh insight and knowledge on shoes running gear whole nine yards and then also he's just a fun guy to talk about with all things running so could not be more grateful to have my friend nathaniel chan to the everyday ultra podcast nathaniel thanks for coming on man hell yeah joe i'm looking forward to it let's go <laughs> it's gonna let's be go. a- banger of a talk dude it's gonna be great it's gonna be great we're gonna we're gonna ruffle some feathers we're gonna go deep it's gonna be a lot of fun i'm probably gonna offend our your viewers shoe choice selections here if we talk shoes all right hot takes only on shoes and beyond hot takes only (laughs) and and hey i always say like if you're not like offending anyone then like then what's the point like not not the point to offend people but we can't have uh, people pleasing opinions out here Absolutely. Absolutely. Sweet. Well, I know we'll go deep on the shoes. We'll talk a little bit about, you know, running and just kind of your background and everything too. But before we kind of dive into the conversation here, tell us a little bit about how you got into running your background and specifically how you got into this crazy world of ultra running we're in now. Um, Well, I've been running pretty much my whole life. Um, Middle school is kind of when it started. Um, started running cross country in middle school and then high school all four years cross country and track um, I played a little bit of basketball and soccer when I was little and stuff like that was never any good at it but the running always seemed to resonate well and it was always a really like chill sport too where it was just like you know just put in the work just run miles have fun go explore places and I was always what I liked about it 
going into college. Um, didn't run collegiately, but I ran all the way through college pretty much, taking a year break my sophomore year. But um, yeah, pretty much running my, my whole life. <laughs> Yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah, no, and that's so cool, like running your whole life too, and you're uh, uh, 26, right? Like 25. 20, 25. See, even 25. younger, <laughs> which is so cool because you have so much running experience in such like a short amount of time, which is awesome. I, what are some things, I guess, that really allowed you to, you know, have the love of the sport? You mentioned like, you know, kind of doing it in high school and then taking maybe a little bit of time off, but like now you're running pretty frequently and stuff. I think one of the big things that's always intriguing to me is like people who not only consistently do it, but consistently have the love for it. And so how have you kind of been able to develop that along, you know, your long career running? Uh, friends. Friends, man. I mean, I think it goes such a long way to have people in your corner that want to go out and run, try out some new things, stuff like that. Uh, coming from a team environment, too, from cross country and track. Uh, helped out a lot also and just having people with you to motivate you to go out and hit really hard workouts do hard long runs um, good coaches as well um, helped as well to just motivating you and maybe expanding your mind on what else is in running too you know it's not just the the, the mile in the track or the 5k on the cross country course or the 800 um it's also hey maybe marathons maybe it's ultra running um like you're the everyday ultra podcast joe and i think a great um something that was exposed to me really early on before i even started running ultras was ultras uh we had a coach um um his name was um he we call we call him the crazy frenchman i don't know if he actually knows that <laughs> but we had a coach in um in high school, uh, Jerome Jordan, that was big and still is huge in ultra running, and he would take some of us boys out and just these awesome routes in South Mountain, and being exposed to that super early on when I was like a freshman in high school, um, was like, hey, this is super cool, so, but 100% just people is what drove me to keep on kind of going with it and stuff like that, because there's nothing more boring than running alone, right? <laughs> kind of sucks you got to do it sometimes but when it's like you're running alone and then you go to a race and you don't know anybody it's like man that sucks so having people you know yeah i love that man it's so cool to see you and like as i said before i call you like the mayor of south mountain because like you know so many people and literally for those listening we just went on a run in south mountain and there was probably what eight people that you you saw and was like hey what's up man hey how's it going out here and it's like it's so cool to see that in action out here and we even met through mutual friends and it seems like almost anyone who i come across with the running community is like oh yeah like ran with nathaniel chan last week like oh yeah like i know him so it's cool to see that like you know obviously like being a big part of soul sports has like kind of helped with that and everything um but maybe like for our listeners who are like curious on how to find you know maybe running groups or communities because i think you really are good at that you're good at building community. You're good at finding community. You're good at, you know, having these networks inside of running that have helped you to come along. Like, what are some things, I guess, that have helped you to, to build those relationships and finding communities on running? Um, I would say it's like, like finding communities, would you say? Like, who, who's out there? Um, 
for for one, you gotta pop into your local shop, all right? Because there <laughs> there's nothing better than the local shop, no matter where you're at, to kind of see who's out there. You know, there's only so much that the local store can do, right? You can join, like for instance, Soul Sports Monday, Thursday, Saturday group runs. Um, but what if you want to do something else? You know, we've uh, there's plenty of other communities that local stores are involved with to go out and communicate with. Chances are those groups will have the same people involved with it, like downtown Phoenix Run here in the Valley and Aravipa. They're actually kind of like a partnership type deal. I think they're actually a spawn of our Aravipa. But you go to a downtown Phoenix Run, then you go to Aravipa Group Run, chances are you're going to run into at least 50 of the same people. So it's, uh, it's everyone doing kind of the same thing here, but it all stems from centralized areas that know the community, whether that's the local running scene or from a mass race directing scene like Aravipa or SoCal Trail in California or in the East Coast scene or something like that or Mad Moose Spence, who knows, you know. Um, if you're a type of person that's like, I don't really know where to look, I would look there first. Just stop into your local running shop and just see what they have to say. Mm -hmm. I love that too because I think for, at least when I first started getting into running, it wasn't as intuitive to think, oh, like these running stores do so much more than just sell shoes, sell gear. Like they actually facilitate communities, which is so cool um, because, you know, if maybe you move to a new spot or like anything like that and, and you're unsure of like where to go and like, sure, there's like the online applications and everything, but like you can actually go into the store and like talk with the person about like, hey, what are these group runs like? Like, I think that is such a unique experience for sure. And chances are too, if you're coming from a different state, right? Let's say you're coming from Minnesota and you're coming to Phoenix, all right? So let's say you shop at TC Running and you come to Soul Sports. I guarantee you, you will know people in Phoenix even though you're from Minnesota, all right? The running community, Run Specialty especially, is the most connected thing on the planet Earth, maybe the universe. There are times where we'll get people from Georgia, Big Peach Running, where it's like, dude, Big Peach? Hell yeah, <laughs> I shop there. Dude, hey, well, welcome to the Valley, man. Well, a whole nine yards, you know, or there's someone that maybe shopped at Rogue Valley Runners or shopped at Seven Hills Running, and they're like, hey, I know I know of that shop in Fe or up in the Northwest. Um, yeah, welcome to Phoenix or whatever, you know, it's uh, local shops, especially ones that are dialed in, like if they go to the running events, Runchella or stuff like that. All these shops, they are, they really are one entity. And it's a, it's a big kind of like, like, it's, we all have the same, same mentality and we all technically know each other. So if you're kind of coming from a different area and you're kind of like oh, a little shy about it. Don't be shy, because I guarantee you, you're going to know someone. Yeah. It's easy. It's easy yeah. these days. So. That's so cool. I never even, I never even personally thought about that, yeah. because the more that I think about it, right, when I talk with you or, like, people who are involved in running stores, like, I say, hey, like, I'm going to X area, they're always like, oh, check out this running store. Yeah. Check out this running store. And it's like, wow, like, how would people know all these yeah. running stores in like different locations which can make that kind of assimilation to a new area a lot easier because people are like oh yeah like yeah. i know this person or i know that person at that shoe store and you have that common connection which is super cool yeah i think it's easier too especially with surrounding areas like if you're from coming from la to arizona like all the shops there probably know the shops in arizona so if you're an la migrant to the phoenix arizona area first of all welcome second of all we probably know 
you're a folk too. So come hang, come hang out. <laughs> so cool. That is so awesome. Yeah. And I, I encourage like anyone, even if maybe they're in the sport too, I think getting involved with local running stores, even purchasing from local running, like local running stores are such a, obviously not a great way to give back to, to small businesses or great way to give back to small business and all that kind of stuff. But also supporting them also supports running communities, right? Totally. I think it's so easy nowadays with the world of Amazon and, you know, big box retailers and everything to kind of go to those things. But I've always found it's like whenever I need a pair of shoes or anything, like like small local running stores, like that is you're, – you're, yeah. you're giving back to the community. Yeah, they call us run specialty for a reason, people. Um, there's nothing better than going into your local shop and actually talking with someone that knows shoes and knows shoes that aren't even in the store. Like – the knowledge that people bring to True Run Specialty is unparalleled to anything you'll find online with all these shoe reviewers and stuff like that. They're cool. Don't get me wrong. Just some really cool shoe reviewers out there. But there's nothing more dialed than going to a shop and being like, hey, I usually run in the, uh, I don't know, the A6 Nova Blast. What is similar to this shoe? I want to really want to try this. And maybe you'll ride at the spot. Maybe you're off. And the runs and the, the whoever works there will guide you in the right spot. That's that's what we're there for. So good, I love that. Even if you're a walker, all right, runners are walkers, yeah. <laughs> no matter what. Yeah. And I like how you compare it to the shoe reviews because I agree there's a lot of good shoe reviews, but I think where you get the more in-depth touch is like it's almost like a shoe coach, right? Like you yeah. come in and say, hey, I got this going on. This is the stuff I like to run on. Here's the race I'm training for. You kind of get that piece. And luckily enough, we're here on the podcast. We got basically like our own like in-store running session here on like the, the podcast today. So I, I definitely want to talk about like some shoe stuff. And later on, I also want to talk about kind of your, your running with ultras too, right? You've done Speed Goat like every year for the past four years, Black Canyon 100K recently. I'd love to talk about that. But let's talk, let's talk shoes for a second, right? Because, you know, we're on this thing of, of the benefit of people coming in to a running store and getting that stuff. So I'm, I'm curious for you and for the people who are listening, right? If our listener, let's just say the person listening right now walks into the store and they say like, hey, like I'm, I'm looking for a pair of shoes. What's like maybe the general process that you kind of go through and maybe something that people should consider mm-hmm. when they're looking to get their next trail shoe mm-hmm. or shoe in general. I should say. Let's go shoe in general because trail is kind of different. Right. Um, shoe in general, let's say you're going for a road running shoe and you are new to running. First thing that we do, especially at Soul Sports, is gait analysis, all right? We get you on the tread or we take you outside with the shoe, all right? And we want to watch you run or brisk walk, whatever you're comfortable with, preferably run, all right, or a jog, okay? And we're looking for, um, you might hear this this termed word a lot, pronation, all right? It's a word that gets tossed around a bunch, all right? Here's the thing about pronation, all right? It matters, but at the same time, it doesn't, okay? Because <laughs> um, pronation, right? Everyone pronates. Your ankle naturally will roll to the inside. But it's not really about that. It's about the relationship between your ankle, your knee, and your hip. Your ankle can roll inwards. In fact, if you look at any runner, you're going to see their ankle roll inwards. You look at any elite-level Kenyan runner or Ethiopian or even American runner, wherever, any elite runner, they're probably collapsing inwards. But do you see their knee going to the inside? No, all right? The rate of which your knee rotates inwards will determine if you actually need a neutral shoe or maybe a stability shoe. Because if your knee's locking inwards, then that means you're torquing everything to the inside, all right? And that's what causes most running-related injuries here. Uh, of course, that could be stemmed from maybe you're just a new runner, you're not used to it, or maybe um, you have weak ankles. You can always improve on that and stuff like that. Anyways, um, get analysis. We watch you walk slash run. From there, we get your foot size. 
After that, some places like us, we will get you on a, um, it's this thing called like a foot disc. Um, it's a pressure map reader, and it kind of gets a footprint, a heat map of where you put the most pressure, kind of how high your arches and stuff like that. That's for insoles and stuff like that. That's a whole other topic. Um, they're good. They are a necessity for a lot of folks. Um, they're not a necessity for everyone, but we will get you on there to just kind of see what it's all about. And we can option in an insert to see if it's necessary for you, or if not, we're not the pushy kind for that kind of deal here. We're only going to be honest with you. And after that, we will go to the wall and be like, hey, based off of your stride, based off of your whole nine yards, these are maybe four different models that we could play off of. And depending on which four models you like, there will probably be another two to four other models in that sphere that could work for you additionally. That's kind of what goes on. So good. And I love it. you talk about like the pronation thing and like our, our gait, right? Because a lot of the time when we think, oh, I want a, a shoe that's good for me. I remember when I first got into the sport, a lot of it was like, oh, I just want something that's comfortable and yeah. that feels good. Yeah. But if your, your knee's coming in a little bit, you going into one shoe might accelerate that injury exactly. or like kind of lead to those things. So I, I love that perspective on there too. And it's so, all about alignment. Yeah. You know, it's all about alignment. The ankle can, the, the ankle is designed to rotate. Mm. It's, it's designed to move and stuff. I mean, how, how else, I mean, dorsiflexion, plantar flexion, inversion, eversion, whole nine yards, stuff like that. Um, it's designed to move. So if you're afraid that your ankle's rolling inwards here, but everything else is looking straight, like, then you're fine, all right? Like I said, get a get a gait analysis done and kind of see what's going on. But the minute, the, I call it the trio, the joint trio, ankle, knee, hip, the minute that line breaks inwards, that's, that's where we want to be like, okay, how can we improve on that? Because who would want to run crooked? Right. So. Yeah, and what kind of shoes, like, so let's just say for that kind of runner who has it a little crooked, like what kind of shoes are ideal to help with those kind of scenarios and be best fit for those kind of runners? Something with some guidance, folks, all right? You might hear the word stability shoe. I hate that word. It makes it seem like they're geriatric shoes. <laughs> super cool, okay? Guidance shoes, all right? There we go. Guidance sounds a little geriatric, too. But something with some gui guided, all right? Think of it as Brooks, Brooks coined it really well with their adrenaline line when they revamped the adrenaline a few years back. Um, imagine your foot's a bowling ball and the rails, or the stability features, are the rails to prevent the bowling ball from going in the gutter. Mm. Just a nice straight line. That's how that kind of shoe works. Those, those are the type of shoes that work well for people that maybe pronate it more accessibly to maybe injure them. Mm. Yeah, because it basically just keeps your uh, knee on track yeah. and keeping those uh, the trifecta muscles, as you really yeah. kind of call yeah. it, in that line. Yeah, and this isn't groundbreaking news here, people. This is just some. This is this might be just something that is like. It's been known for a long time, but some people just don't want to hear it. <laughs> yeah, for so. sure. Yeah, and I'm, I'm curious, kind of like on that same thread, I still want to go into like maybe like some of the little technicalities because I think there's so many words out there that um, get thrown around in shoe world, right? Like, like you know, uh, stack and drop yeah. and yeah. all those things. Maybe before we dive into some of those technicalities, are there any kind of myths about running shoes that you think get thrown around in the running community that are either BS in your opinion or just like people shouldn't listen to them or like like I guess like what are some things that it might be more common that you think either are BS or maybe should be challenged and maybe not taken at face value all the time mm, in my many years of doing it um, there's a lot of truth that gets spouted around I think more so it's about like what is getting normalized that maybe shouldn't be getting normalized 
I think we should maybe just touch on a little bit, the need or the not need of an insert, all right? They are very helpful. Don't think of inserts. There, there are some inserts that are just super corrective and some people just really need them. I understand that and we get that, um, that it's a necessity. And I think a lot of people should actually be in inserts and they actually are. But inserts, some people are like, man, they're, some people are like, they're super corrective. Not all the time. Um, most inserts are actually designed as enhancers. So let's say you have a shoe that is you think is perfect all right but what if it could be better right what if it could be better what if it really could line up with your arch type your high arch your medium arch what if you what what if it could just enhance the feel underfoot a little bit better there are inserts that exist out there that are perfect for that so i think the insert thing um there's a lot of he said she said um just limp biscuit. Just got a limp biscuit. There's a lot of like he said, she said, pros, cons, and inserts, and I agree with it. But at the same time, I think people shouldn't be afraid of inserts as much as maybe people are, or maybe people that are dedicated to inserts shouldn't be so locked into that they are the only thing that they can ever wear, stuff like that. So good. Yeah, because I, I agree with you. I think I usually, when I hear inserts, even for my, I'll, I'll be totally honest, like when I first started to hear about inserts and learn about them, I was like, you know, fuck inserts. We don't need this. Yeah. But then some people who aren't inserts, like they live and die by them. Yeah. Like there's no middle ground where you're kind of saying, you know, maybe assess what works best for you, what doesn't like be open to the experience kind of thing. It's like not having a totally polarized opinion or viewpoint on inserts correct yeah, yeah. i like that that's awesome yeah. now talk to me a little bit too about like stack height drop those kind of things right you know obviously we have shoes with zero drop like an ultra right and then shoes with like a minimal-ish kind of drop like almost like a hoka and then things with taller drops in there and then you have like cushion big cushion shoes versus no big cushion right and i think the reason why I'm asking this question is because I think a lot of people, when they get into ultra running, me included, and I know probably a lot of people listening, they read their book, Born to Run, right? And in Born to Run, it kind of talks about the barefoot shoes and it kind of like, I don't agree with a lot of it, but it does trash traditional running shoes, yeah. so to say. Totally. I, again, totally. I don't agree with it, but I think, I remember when I first read that book, I was like, oh my God, like I'm going to go minimal shoe. I'm going to go zero drop. Yeah. I did that and I got injured. Yeah. And so, so tell me, I guess, like what are the considerations that need to be in play when you're yeah. thinking about uh, stack, heel drop, minimalist versus maximalist, all those kind of things? Yeah. Well, this could, I think this, the talk of stack and drop, um, rockered, flexible, who knows, it could, could be applied into your previous question too about like myths versus BS versus whatever. Um, there is no, um, there is no set like agenda, like there's no set, not agenda. What the hell? There's no set, like what? No one shoe can do it all. Obviously people, of, of course, right now, hot brands right now, Hoka on running, very hot, great brands. Are they good for everyone? No, we see it all the time at soul sports where folks will come in. Hey, I've heard great things about Hoka. You're right. Great brand. Are they better than Brooks? They're not better than anyone, all right? No brand, no major industry brand right now is, I would say, better than anyone. They're all high quality. They're all made by very smart people that know the industry. Just be a matter of what the brand is offering here, all right? But, like, in terms of stack heights and stuff like that, let's say, you know, Born to Run, Zero Shoes, Beaver Five Fingers, Full Night stuff like that. 
they're not bad shoes. You know, they're not bad shoes by any means, stuff like that. You've got people acing races in it and stuff like that. I don't know his name, but he's the guy that has, um, he's got the super long curly hair in the air, right? but you might have seen photos of him, headband, long curly hair. Yes. He wears the sandals. He wears the Luna sandals with yes. the toe socks. Yep. And he kicks ass, man. Yeah. I'm like, what the hell, you know? Um, but then you've got the Hoka wears that are wearing the Stinson like Brianna Grigsby, and she is acing everyone mm-hmm. in the Stinson, for Christ's yeah. sake, all right? The yeah. thickest shoe on the market, and she's destroying everyone, which Brianna just switched shoes to Mafate Speed. Top-notch that. spot, all right? Top-notch shoe. Nothing, she, she had great things to say about it. <laughs> yes, yeah. awesome. Glad to hear. <laughs> um, but the whole thing about stack heights and stuff like that, I think it really is just a matter of what do you want to experience, okay? What do you want to experience? Mm-hmm. I think at one point everyone wanted to feel the ground. Everyone wanted to feel low to the ground and coach and stuff like that but that limited a lot of people you know from maybe they're just maybe maybe it's the rate of adaptation that they didn't want to commit to they want to feel comfortable now right mm-hmm. kind of the thing when Hoka came out now you've got people that are like hey uh, maybe it potentially reached more consumers that hey I can go trailing now without having to worry about breaking my legs and stuff like that on the feet on the, on the bottom of my feet but now the problem is, is what if you want ground feel? <laughs> um, not a lot of brands are making ground feel shoes, you know? Um, so the, the, these industry trends that are being skewed by the top playmakers, there's not a single brand out right now that doesn't have a thick boy shoe, right? Mm-hmm. Every brand has something right now with the high cushion sole with the rocker and stuff like that. Now in terms of heel to toe drop, is it good or is it bad? I think it depends on the consumer and stuff like that. There is reputable um, sources to look at on which heel-to-toe drop is better. I will say that. Historically, a very high heel-to-toe offset. Let's take Brooks, for instance, or Saucony, any brand with... Let's say any brand... I'm not going to call any brands. How about that? That's... (laughs) uh, Let's not do that today. Um, Maybe we should. I don't know. It's up to you. But um, high heel-to-toe offset isn't bad. Like, one of the most popular shoes and run specialties, the Brooks Ghost... 12 mil drop 12. pretty steep right pretty 12. pretty classic way to make shoes yeah. um but it's the most popular in the industry huh. not because it's a 12 mil drop it's because it's the same shoe every year <laughs> it is consistent. is consistent and people love that and also the ghost is just a good shoe you can literally wear it for everything it's a good trail shoe it's a good road shoe it's a good gym shoe you can do anything in it it looks good it's lightweight it's durable um but 12 mil drop what's the thing about high drop is it loads your knees more Kind of like I always tell people this. Um, do you? Would you uh, like? Um, I asked a woman that uh, asked me about it. Some maybe some guys that wear like high heeled shoes, like boots and stuff like that. Like, do you feel comfortable in high heels? No, my knees hate me. All right, word. Get rid of the high heel toe offset then. Let's drop it. All right, yeah. let's drop that bitch. All right, we going down to eight. Maybe four mil, all right? Yeah. The lower drop you go, the less knee, less load on your knees, the more it's loading naturally into where it should be in a natural, more paralleled plane, all right, mm. compared to the ground, especially with your cadence and how you run. Um, is it good for everyone? No, maybe 12 mil drop is perfect for you. Stick with it then, <laughs> all right? Maybe four mil drop is perfect for you. Perfect. Maybe four mil drop is hurting you. Maybe four mil drop is just wrecking your Achilles. Mm. Go up and drop then, mm-hmm. so... Yeah, because I, I love that you brought the Achilles thing on that last part because that was ha- what happened to me. I was trying a lot of zero drop shoes and my Achilles got torched because like you're, again, taking, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but taking the pressure off like your knee kind of area and now it's more working your calves and Achilles muscle. Yep. You're lengthening all of a sudden, yeah. And that's where brands like 
Vibrams, Yersh, and stuff like that, they're doing a great job now of teaching the consumer on how to transition into these shoes. Because back in like 2008, 2009, I think people were just going cold turkey into these things yeah. and like killing themselves. Me. There you go. Yeah. See? <laughs> um, but at the same time, shoes like that are super valid for strengthening your feet and stuff like that. Um, but then you have brands like Ultra that are zero yeah. drop only, but they're cushioned. So now you've got a zero drop natural style running shoe that's cushioned. You get the benefits and you can transition into a, a shoe like an Ultra seamlessly, in my opinion, from a Brooks Ghost to like an Ultra Torrin or something like that. And only thing you got to get used to is you're not landing on your heel anymore. You're landing more midfoot forefoot, which you should be doing somewhat naturally anyways here. So, yeah, it, brands are adapting very much here. I mean, there's a shoe called the Via Olympus from Ultra right now. It is a beast of a thick boy. It is tall, but it's still zero drop. So there you go. <laughs> I never thought of that because I think when people were making the radical shift, including myself, it was like from cushiony 10, 12 drop shoes to Vibram five fingers yeah. where now you not only cut out the drop, you cut out the cushion. Yeah. And so now your foot's probably just like, what the heck is going on? Yeah. You're touching ground. You're touching yeah. ground at that rate. Yeah. For sure. So you, so making the transition with the, the thicker zero drop option is going to help. Yeah, definitely. I don't even say, you know, Hoka, right? Four to five mil drop, tall stack height rockered. Yeah, it's a thick shoe. Yeah, it's artificially rockered. You know, it uh, doesn't really let your foot flex as much, but it's still a low drop shoe. So it's still uh, enabling you to transition to low drop really easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's why Hoka is so popular. And that's why um, you have a lot of brands that are also making very successful rockered low drop shoes so in addition good. to that. So. so good. Yeah, I love Plenty that. Plenty of options to try out there, folks. So many options, so. so many options. And speaking about options too, I know we brought up trail before and you said that's a whole different thing. Yeah. So how does this kind of model of choosing a trail shoe maybe adapt when it comes to the trail? Because yeah. ultra running podcast, a lot of people on the trails. What are some extra considerations we need to take into account when, we, when we're going yeah. on the trails? So the thing about trail shoes is in the past, um, there haven't been, I hate to say this, there haven't been a lot of options. If you look back, um, this seems kind of long, 15 years, not a lot of options, right? Now you're coming into 2023, halfway through 2023, and it is like, it, every brand wants an on-trail, all right? So the thing is, is back then, it was easy to distinguish maybe, um, and I, I kind of throw 15 years out there. Um, <laughs> Even maybe I should say 10 years ago, trail running shoes were very different and stuff like that. Um, there used to be stability trail running shoes. There used to be. The Adrenaline used to be a stability trail running shoe. They, it's called the ASR. The uh, Asics GT2000 Trail is a stability trail running shoe. Um, there are other shoes out there that have stability elements with a true what we call post, the firmer arch support inside to prevent overpronation, a very old school way of doing stability. But nowadays... There's like literally like 20 million shoes out there and it's like, dang, okay, which one works? So how, how, I, how I kind of view trail running is I kind of call this thing kind of like road. You have four styles. Each one is different from each other. Which styles do you like the best and which other styles could pull from that? Like at the store, I always call it the big four brands if you're listening to this don't get offended all right the big four okay from what i'm pulling for uh trail running at my store okay hocus speed goats brooks cascadia ultra lone peak Saucony peregrine all right each one has a totally different fit and feel 
Each one has different ground feel, each one has different cushion levels, each one has relatively different heel to toe drops, all right? There will be a shoe that is somewhat related to one or two of those four, and then that's what you go off of. For new trail shoe running shoe buyers, I encourage you to try a variation of this four. Some, maybe if you're going to a store and they don't quite have those four options, maybe just ask, ask the, the specialist there, hey, can I try, or, uh, he's supposed to be doing it for you. He's supposed <laughs> to recommend it for you. Hey, you're new to trail running. Let's try four different options that are unique to each other and then we can go off of that and see what you think. If you need a stability shoe, and you're going into trail running, inserts. They work pretty dang well in, this, in the trail running shoes, all right? Or there will probably be a trail running shoe that has enough stability inside there. Here's what I caution about stability in trail running shoes. Your dang ankle is going to be everywhere anyways, all right? You, you don't want something that's purposely pushing you up on the arch, and next thing you know, you hit a rock, and you really just crank that ankle, all right? So I caution you on stability in trail shoes, but... That's what inserts are for. That's what adaptable inserts are for and stuff like that. So good, dude. I never thought of it like that because like with trail running, right? Like sure you want, maybe need stability, but when you're on a trail, there's so much variation out there. It's not like you're just running. Yeah. Oh, Phoenix. Yeah. My gosh. Like running PMP, your ankles just sliding all over the place, which is just. People that say that our trails are easy, come run our trails. Any, any out of towner that says our trails are easy, come run our trails. Sure. Ch- chunk central <laughs> chunk central yeah i was uh i ran with um uh finn melanson and, and brett hornig a few um a few months ago and they were like wow i'm surprised like how technical it is out here in some of these parts and it is it's it is so chunky um so when you have like terrain like that you you need to be aware that your ankle is just going to be moving around so i love that whole different concept on there so it sounds like just to kind of recap like those four different kind of archetypes all have different things but really comes down to like how you feel and like exactly. it's that simple it's yeah. like i said uh, earlier on it's not exactly groundbreaking stuff this the process of shoe fitting and shoe selection has gotten so complicated for some re- reason it really isn't complicated especially if you find someone that knows what they're doing you know you mentioned guys like red hornick stuff like that he's a way more many years more than me in the run special experience he will agree the selection process of a good quality shoe on your foot has gotten oddly complicated mm-hmm. It's not, <laughs> especially if you find someone that knows what they're doing, which is run specialty people in general. They will literally hold your hand and be like, this is it. This is the shoe for you. <laughs> You're going to love it. It's that easy. <laughs> I love that. And I, I remember, I think there's been, and again, this could be maybe targeting big run brands here but like versus the local store experience what i found is that when i go into maybe some of these big bigger box stores and like i ask for like shoe recommendations you can either tell there's like this premeditated sales pitch or just lots of words lots of jargons that like sounds great but it's like i don't know what any of that means chances are they're trying to meet a commission quota they're trying to meet their inserts thing so that they can get a nice little bonus good for them um Maybe maybe the month is um, a certain shoe day or a certain shoe month where, hey, we want you to pull this certain style, and if you reach this number, you're going to hit. Um, I think people should be pulling those type of shoes anyways, but if it is monetarily um, motivated for those staff, um, I would steer far clear from those type of places. Go to, go to a place that cares about you and really 
wants to get the proper shoe on your foot, run specialty. Yes. Spots. Any run specialty spot. So good. So good. And I think it's even more important too in like the world of like an easy D to C kind of thing where like you can just order shoes online. Like I think, sure, like you made it more accessible and when i say you i mean like technology really has made it more accessible for us to do it but like if you don't know the like the personality you know uh differences that you have like in your running style in your running gait or having that consultative experience right like i think it's just so valuable on its own so this is super cool i actually learned a ton here like i didn't really know so much about this um two i guess other kind of questions like that i or i say three more questions on the shoe front the first thing and this is one that i've been so intrigued with i really only started to do it this year and we were kind of talking about this beforehand the, the more popularization of kind of road shoes on trail shoes Talk to me a little bit about that because, like, I've – Yes. This is my – I think this will be the first year I run a trail race on road shoes, yeah. and I'm far behind the curve relative to yeah. what other people have been doing. So, yeah. so tell me a little bit about that. I will say to you, road shoes on a trail shoe is nothing really new here, right, obviously. I mean, we talked Rob Carr, right, way back in his Western States days. He was running in the Lunar Racer, all right? Do you know what the Lunar Racer is? No. Um, if you look at the Lunar Racer, it is a Nike road racing flats that is – got like four or five little patches of squares on the bottom but it's what well, it was like the perfect shoe right. <laughs> it's an amazing shoe melissa and sarah are probably gonna be like yeah lunar racer yeah. <laughs> you smoke nike you know lunar racer goaded all right here we go goated. so fast forward for for that right road shoes on the trail i mean you hear it all the time i think you've heard it on single track finn has said the duo from ultra was one of the best road race road shoes on the trail ever i agree um, Hayden Hawks wore the duo to win Black Canyon in 2019, I think, or 2020, I think. I don't know. It was one of those years. Um, but road shoes on a trail, realistically, that's kind of what modern day trail shoes are. Yeah. Like the speed goat, right? It's kind of got a road racing, a road shoe fit, cushy and soft underfoot, with just a generous slab of V-rim mega grip underfoot, right? So why wouldn't you want that? <laughs> well. <laughs> Sometimes trail shoes are heavier than road shoes, and that's where shoes come in um, that, like, people have been wearing, like, uh, you know, we were talking on around Havelina, Brett, with the Endorphin Speed. I think he wore the Endorphin Speed. was perfect for Havelina and stuff like that. You've got guys last year, Hayden Hawks, that wore the Rincon for the last chunk of it as well. Um, Jim Walmsley, uh, I remember one year, he started in the Challenger, and then he switched to the Clifton at Western States. Oh, wow. Stuff like that. So these groomed-type trail races, they are definitely more conducive to the road shoes on the trail. Some road shoes are epic on hard trails. There's a shoe called the Clayton that Hoka used to make. It's now in the mock. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, favorite. could you imagine that? You're wearing the mock right now. Could you imagine that on hard trails? No. The Clayton was that. Really? <laughs> it was nuts. I need the Clayton back then. Well, <laughs> well we, can, we can talk to Hoka about that because they're bringing back some weird like um, archival type things, which is pretty cool. Ooh. But um, yeah, there are some interesting road shoes that are beasts on the trails that are... Uh, the Ghost is one, for example. That's just amazing on the trail. Um, so, But then you're also seeing like... Uh, people just putting rubber on the bottom of road shoes like the new balance fresh from more v4 have you guys have seen that big beefy thing they made a chill version of it they literally just put teeth on the bottom of it and they're like yeah chill version here you go and it's <laughs> perfect it's a great shoe <laughs> so but my opinion road versus road shoes on the trail i think it really just comes down to um how confident are you 
because you got to trust the shoe. Yeah. There's nothing better than a good grip on a trail shoe. The road shoes just won't quite have it, all right? But grip, confidence, trust, and also how light do you want it? I used to wear Kinvara on the trails. That thing has no rubber, and I that was my high school shoe. And I was like, yeah, I've run trails in this. Not a problem. Wow. Yeah. So it just really comes down to the confidence, right? Because I hear all the time, it's like, how do you run without the grip? But it's like, yeah. hey, if you're just confident in your footing and that it's going to hold yeah. you up, like, go for it. Pikes Peak. Um, I've never been to Pikes Peak. I hear a lot of things about Pikes Peak. But I think the previous years, um, before, like, the S-Lab Pulsar was out and stuff like that, a lot of the Solomon athletes wore the RA Sonic, which is a Solomon road shoe with the least sticky rubber on the bottom and it still did great um i forgot his name he was a british guy he might not even be british please don't hate me um but i think he got first or second in the sonic ra and i was like hey that's a road shoe he just won pike's peak (laughs) in a road shoe you know so it's pretty incredible it's awesome yeah i love that too because i think it can be easy to assume i and when i say easy to assume i usually speak from personal experience with my personal experience coming into the trail world it was like you have to like it was almost like this like unwritten rule in my head was like you have yeah buy you're running trail buy trail shoe given yeah given it's probably the smart thing to do um like we were just talking joe and i on our run like man i i grew up running south mountain my whole life yeah and it is the chunkiest, rockiest, most technical I have seen it ever. It used to be like the freaking brand new 202 extension, smooth paved, groomed trails, smoother than Pemberton, folks, all right? Um, you could wear a road shoe, no problem, and you could just soar on it. Now it's pretty rocky. It's still fast, but it's like way more technical now, where it's like I would probably never wear a road shoe on South Mountain ever again because of how loose rocky and technical it is so yeah exactly yeah it's it's so interesting to see that yeah for sure how like trails can change over time and like even if like you change to a different location like it just really depends on that trail you're running it is it buffed like a javelina course or is it rocky like a south mountain or phoenix mountain preserves terrain whole nine yards i think melissa asazuki is a great example of it uh she has worn pegasus and invincible for javelina for like I don't know. How many times have you done them? Melissa? Like 20 times? I don't know. <laughs> her, her and Sarah. <laughs> um, tons of times. Um, I think at one point, Melissa told me that her first trail shoe, quote, quote, was the Mizuno Wave Hitagami. That's a freaking road racing flat, people, all right? And uh, Jameel Curry, the Wave Musha, or whatever you used to wear, that's a road racing flat, too. So road shoes are 100% still in the game for trail. Nick Curry, come on. He wore the SL20 at Hard Rock. Okay. That's a road racing flat. At one point, that uh, back when Addy Ultra was a thing in ultra running, um, that they had Adidas had a classic um, ultra running team called Addy Ultra. James Benet was on it, stuff like that. They wore the Adidas Adios pre boost with DSP. The DSP is these little yeah. things that grip the ground really nicely, and they were like, "Yeah, it was perfect." Wow. Yeah, it's in. Yeah, that it, it's. It was definitely a time. And I think nowadays, road running shoes, there are some road running shoes that are good for a trail, but they're becoming less optimized for it with the increase of um, lightweight foams, more exposed foams as well that get shoot up easily. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and speaking about kind of transition things like i have two more questions on the shoe front then i kind of want to talk your your running races and then a little bit of western states hot takes uh, that we were talking about (laughs) Oh, oh I'm going to rustle some jimmies. Let's rustle some jimmies. <laughs> before, before we get the jimmies rustled, though, um, other thing I want to talk about is carbon plates. Yeah. 
talk to me about those because it's it's a buzzword in the yeah. ultra community. Carb, carbon plate is the new pronation. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, carbon plate is a new pronation. Everyone is be talking carbon plates or plates in general, okay? Here's the thing. They work, all right? Especially in road running, okay? Um, plenty of science out there, plenty of articles that carbon plates do work. It's not just the plate, folks. It's the foam, too, and the shape of the structure as well. Um, I think a great example that we were talked about, I hate to say it, North Face, all right? Carbon plates don't always work in, in all shoes, okay? Some of them are just like, you know, you just threw a carbon plate in there. And it's a beautifully designed carbon plate, but it just didn't execute that first year for Vective. I think Norface and would agree with that too. The first year Vective carbons just didn't quite hit the mark. But if you do it right, right, and I think it's easy to do it right in road running. Um, that spoon shape, that rockered sole, with a lot of compression and rebound in the foam, that carbon plate does nothing without that foam, people. All right. So that's why this shoe, like the original carbon plated shoe, the Vaporfly, was epic because one it was the first of its kind and two they really were able to dive in and get a head start over everyone else because nobody um it wasn't even on the radar for a lot of folks i mean we saw um we saw um the first vaporfly without even knowing it was a vaporfly at the time at the 2016 trials for the marathon um we saw it out there they were already designing that back in 2016 the shoe didn't even release until a year or two later with the Breaking 2 project or whatever that came out. So Nike has had a head start. This, without a doubt, the plates work, all right? Any brand these days that has a road racing shoe with a carbon plate will execute, all right? It will make you run. It will make you fly. It will make your cadence turn over quickly. You just got to get used to it like anything else in the world, right? Are they good for everyone? Not necessarily, but I think like anything else, you got to get used to some things because they definitely work as long as you use it right. Um, carbon and trails is a different story, and I think Conversation Pace puts it really nicely with uh, Finn Lance and Brett Hornig. Is is there a trail super shoe? Should we be putting these high rebound foams in with carbon plates in our trail shoes? I think we're looking. I think we're looking at something that will go away very quickly. Um, let's just talk super super foams, for instance, like ZoomX foam or Profly, uh, Profly Plus or Power MPB. Um, fragile foams on trails. What do you think, Joe? Probably Swiss cheese shredded it up. Exactly, yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah. that's why you got brands that are trying to protect these foams really nicely. Um, the, um, there's a shoe coming out. You know, you mentioned it, the Ultrafly from Nike. Yeah. It is ZoomX encased in like this special film uh, i only know that because our good dear friend megan Kupras, um she a product tested the shoe uh, for a little bit um i think it was that shoe at least and it, it had the carbon plates it, it's got to be that shoe yeah. um and it didn't feel like zoom x if you ever felt zoom x before yep. it is soft rebounds um this one had a little bit of casing but the problem is is the minute you start doing that it reduces the the um the um compression of it unfortunately but it's a bouncy foam with carbon plus rocks. Mm. Now what do you think, Joe? Pretty sweet. Pretty sweet, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> what if they're really technical rocks? Like what if you're True. descending down a 2,000-foot descent at UTMB and you are not an elite runner? <laughs> yeah, probably not great. Yeah, yeah. probably. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things that you got to get used to, um, but I don't think it's going to stay. Mm. I don't think carbon's going to stay. Mm -hmm. I, I think... In trail running, it's unique because 
the foot moves and stuff like that. The shoe has to warp with it. And when you have a material like carbon that, yeah, it bends and flexes, but the minute you let go of it, it goes right back. That's not really something that's conducive to trail. And that's why there's shoes that like have a full carbon plate in it where are like, and they'll say it too in the description, built only for groomed trails, um, which is fine. But it's, it's not a good recipe in my opinion. Carbon on trails in that application just isn't, isn't going to be, I don't think it's going to last. Mm. So you think it's just kind of like a test phase right now, see how it goes, and then it's probably... Yeah, and, and I think a lot of people are trying out different things. Um, there's a brand called Carpetex, you might have heard of it. Yep. It's in a lot of the Speedland shoes. It's cool because it flexes both ways, all right? So their idea with that is you land on a rock, it, it, uh, it bends upwards, you push off, it rebounds and stuff like that. Um, does it work to a certain extent? I think Debo did say it did work. There is tests in the economy that it does improve your economy and stuff like that. Um, it's in the Saucony shoe as well, which is cool. Um, Hoka Tecton X, it's not Carbotex, but it's two parallel carbon fiber plates that are not full length. So you get a hint of propulsion, but you still get it flexible. But then there's other shoes that are just full straight up carbon plate with zero reverse flexion, only push off flexion. So then when you land on a rock, it's like hitting a rock with a metal rod and it rebounds right straight up and it's terrifying. <laughs> so. You got to be careful with these carbon plated shoes. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and I'm I'm so glad you went deep on that because I I, I think it's such a buzzword now. It's like it, like you said, it, carbon plate is the new. Yeah, carbon. Yeah, hundred percent. Love that. Hundred percent. Yeah. That needs to be on a poster. Does it Does it matter as much as people thinks? Not really. <laughs> Road running, kind of. Trail running, no. No. I mean, um, we just talked about it before we went live in the pod. Who won UTMB? Killian. In a non-carbon plated chest shoe, given it's Killian, all right? right. You know, you <laughs> you beaten Killian, you're having the day of your life, all right? But the point is, is he ran in his proprietary shoe, the N Normal Chirac. It's a non-carbon shoe with supercritical midsole foam and um, Vivum rubber. Great. Second place, Blanchard, non-carbon plated. Then Tom Evans, third place, carbon plated Adidas shell shoe. Mm-hmm. And then Jim Walmsley, carbon plated as well with Tecton. Yeah, so it's interesting to see that. Last year. Yes. Speed goat. First yes. Place. Yeah. Second place. Hayden Hawks. Speed goat. Moved to Rincon. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's a good call out too. Yeah. No one. Yeah. Wow. I didn't even think about it because yeah. even so, it's interesting to see like Peterman. Even though the Tecton was out, went with Speed Goat, and I remember I, I ran with him out here, and he was running in Tectons, and he was like, "Oh, I'm going to go Speed Goat," for like it was a conscious decision for him, like coming in even months before. So it's so interesting to see even like. You know the pros are saying hey like carbon plated for trails like it's it's a matter of personal preference folks um i think uh for this year's western states i think we will see hayden hawks wearing the tecton x because he wore it for canyons um he's been wearing also mafate speed for a lot of his races we'll see but um i think it's going to be another year of carbon plated shoes being out there but elites a lot of elites not wearing them and i think that'll that'll probably be the shift to kill it more or less if, it, if your prediction's right kill it or silence it or maybe keep it in the lineup as long as it's done right I, I think a lot of people that like look at sales history and stuff they would see certain carbon plated shoes do better than others um, like right now Tecton X um, so it, it, it was, it's everywhere Tecton X is everywhere but then again there's not many other carbon plated shoes out there uh, trail shoes out there Scott has one have you ever tried a Scott running shoe before no. probably not but yeah <laughs> there you go see really? <laughs> yeah what? Yeah, so it has Carbotex. Um, wow. 
but not many other brands have a carbon plate in their trail shoe right now and the ones that do have it i think are chasing something that will fade away eventually mm, it's a great take it's a great take i love it no that's what i'm saying great take i love that take i think it's so awesome because it makes total sense based on everything you're saying and i just love the emphasis on like hey it's it's not for everybody it's, it definitely unique in trail I, I love that thing so kind of last question on the shoe side i kind of want to talk a little bit about racing western and then last thing on the shoe side what's your go-to shoe stack right now like you personally like i'd love to hear what what you have in your rotation like because we've been talking all about like what's good for other people and i'm sure curious to know like what is nathaniel running so uh go-to for years right now um has been for Rhodes clifton i've just had that shoe since its first version and i've tried a lot of shoes a lot of really good shoes but Rhodes, I like the Clifton. That is, and take that with a grain of salt, folks, all right? That's why you get fitted. <laughs> take that with a grain of salt, because the Clifton probably won't work for you, all right? So who knows? Joe, doesn't work for you. Yeah, totally okay. exactly. But I love the mocks. Like, yeah. the mocks are, like, my favorite. Um, but the Clifton just, uh, yeah, I mean, again, great shoe. Works yeah. for so many people. Works for you. Andrew Glay is a big fan. Like, yeah. like and he, he runs the Clifton Trail, folks, by the way. All he right? does. And he runs... I multiple ultras. I mean, that dude's yeah. like putting in work. Um, so anyway, so you, uh, Clifton for roads for roads, um, trails. I've kind of been a mix here. I've had so many go-tos at one point. It was wild horse. I loved the wild horse changed a little bit for me to not love it anymore. Um, at one point I was Solomon S lab sense. That was my go-to for a long time too. But I would say as of late recently here, um, I've had almost every version of the Mafate speed from Hoka heavily underrated for how much of a tank that shoe is that shoe is named after the grand raid it's built to last folks all right um mafate speed i've had a lot of versions of i've had the evos um it's it's been my go-to just kind of daily grind trail shoe i'm gonna have to try those out that i think that might be the only hoka trail shoe i haven't tried yet and once again folks it probably won't work for you <laughs> all right take it with a grain of salt Go out, get fitted. There are so many good trail shoes. There's so many good road shoes out there. Um, I, these are just shoes I've been running in for the past, oh my God, maybe eight, four to eight years, depending on the model and stuff like that. So I've had these shoes a long time and they've just, those are, those are just shoes I kind of gravitate towards. You go to my Instagram, you'll probably see that I've had Eva Mafate's on at one point, Evo Speed Goats, Clifton's, whatever. It's, plus maybe a few other shoes on there, but that's just what I've liked. All right. Get out there, get fitted, find a shoe that works for you, and don't let anyone make fun of you. <laughs> All right? Yeah, so good. Don't let don't, Especially you Brooks Ghost Wears. That shoe rocks. All right? It is simple and it is sweet. All right? <laughs> Stand up for yourself, Brooks yeah, Ghost Wears. Yes, yeah. Yes. But I, I, I love that, though. It's like testing things out. Like, you know, I'm, I've been a big Hoka guy for like years, but like now even I'm playing around with some Nikes mm -hmm. and kind of just like testing things out. And mm -hmm. it's like, oh, like this works, this doesn't. And so I just love how you take this. There is no cookie cutter approach mm -hmm. to running shoes it's yeah. it's all an experience based on who you are as running so like dude this was a master class in running shoes anytime someone has a question about running yeah. shoes i'm just gonna be like this is episode with nathaniel like this is each brand has an underrated shoe too and i think there's a lot of shoes out there that are super duper just like overlooked too so like i said get talked up on just what else is out there there's more than just there's more than just your um 
Brooks Cascadia's, Hocus Speed Goats, and stuff like that. There are so many different experiences out there. I think at one point we were talking about slightly underrated shoes. Mm-hmm. Nike Kiger, I think, is That's underrated. Yeah. Um, it is so good. Um, Adidas Speed Terex Ultra. Meg Slavin just got third at San Diego Hundred in that shoe. If you're not if you're not trying out the Terex Adidas Terex Speed Ultra on your foot, you are missing out because that thing kicks ass. <laughs> Absolutely, and Megan kicks ass too. So yes. it's a super cool. So you shout out Megan, but yeah, that is awesome. I love that you bring up the Adidas. I, I mean, and Adidas. If you're kicks li- up, kicks butt. But have you ever actually seen anyone actually wear an Adidas trail shoe in the wild? No, besides Megan. <laughs> besides Megan. Exactly. N- not saying anything bad, but like, but like, yeah, I, I feel like underrated. Super underrated. Totally underrated. Yeah, same with the Kiger. Like you hear Zagama, you hear a wild horse, you hear even Peg Trail. I rarely hear anything about the Kiger, and you're telling me it's kick, kicks ass. It's it's the perfect. It's one of the most perfect sky running shoes out there. It's so <laughs> nimble and light and grippy. It's awesome. Yeah, and then on the Hoka side, right? It's Speed Go Tecton, but like Rincon or or Mafade Speed, like um, uh, Stinson. Like I mean, there's just so many other great shoes out there to like look beyond yeah. the mold. So many other great brands too, folks. Brands, yes, European brands. For yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. So many good brands yeah. out there. Super cool. Um, before we kind of get into the Western State stuff real quick, right? Like, well, well, I'd be remiss if I didn't pull a little bit of something from your own race experience. So, like, you've done Speedgoat four years in a row, correct? Three uh, years? I've done it three separate years. Three, yeah. separate years. three separate years. Three separate years. Just finished Black Canyon 100K, uh, which is awesome. Gearing up for potentially Havelina 100 uh, and Air Viper. If you're listening, please uh, take my man off the wait list here. Get him in the race. Um, but... I'm curious, like out of your racing experience, this could be, you know, a culmination of all your races or maybe from a specific race. What do you think is the biggest lesson that you've learned in your racing experience that has helped you to progress as an ultra athlete? Race more ultras. <laughs> Race more ultras. <laughs> Race more ultras. Yeah, just kind of callous, callous yourself a little bit. Um, don't be afraid after that first one if you do that first one. Um, even if it goes super well. It is one of those things, like, my first one, my first troll and ultra or whatever was 2018 Speed Goats, and it was, and it was, um, it was a, it was an experience, um, but gearing up and being like, you know, let's go out and do another one, you know, that's, that's what I would say is, without a doubt, the best thing you can do for yourself is to not get afraid, and just tell yourself, you know what? Let's go do another one, and maybe we can revisit Speedgoat another year, stuff like that. You know, don't. It, it could be the absolute worst experience of your life. <laughs> Who cares? Go out and do it. Go do another one before you go back and revisit that same one. You know? Oh, so like it doesn't have to be the same. Race. No, no. And you don't. You suggest maybe switching it up. Switch it up. Switch it up a little bit. Yeah, it took me two years to revisit Speedgoat after 2018. Or two years? Two years? I don't even know. But it, it took me a little bit to revisit Speedgoat, and then. We went straight back to it, and then we did a, a back-to-back year. Um, but it was a, yeah, don't be afraid to do it again. Mm-hmm. That That's, yeah, or try another thing. The, don't let that one experience kind of turn you off from ultras ever again. Yeah, because I hear a lot, like maybe with people first time in an ultra, um, like if it didn't go well be like oh i'm just not an old made for the ultras or even i'll be i'll be real or it could just be like an experience where like you're just like oh my god i'm gonna be out here for a really long freaking time like oh my god 
oh my god <laughs> so yes. there's gonna be times like that <laughs> for sure and i'll even give you an example from my end i mean like i've done 200 k's and this is my first time ever doing the distance granted i've done 100 milers but totally different kind of race but like after the 200 k's i got myself at a point where my head was like i'm just not for the 100 k's you know but like that's not a good way to look at it like i've learned i was like hey like but maybe we got to just have an 100k that like clicks well and like maybe i do end up liking it and like i try to tell myself you know don't base your experience on the 100k based on the first two like maybe keep trying it out seeing yeah. seeing what goes so i love that advice it's advice i definitely need to hear with with my own yeah. terrible 100k experience so yeah. far just keep getting up man exactly don't don't let it don't let it take you down Never. just keep getting up don't compare yourself to others people all right you do you that is the best i love it don't compare yourself to others don't compare your shoe selections to others too yes. whole yes. nine yards there yes. a lot of hot stuff out there but maybe it's not hot for you all right i love that i love that and speaking about hot stuff let's end on western states now we are we it is june uh 4th as we are recording this so we are weeks away from western states what are what are your predictions for this year and maybe your top three men's and women's Man. podium I, we were we were we were trying to prep this beforehand, but we were oh, looking I, at yes. the list and we were like, "Dang, the list will probably change, people." All right, will. the it list will, will probably change. Right the I'm list will probably change. So, Joe, you want me to go first? Go for it. All right, we doing what? Top three or top five? Top, top three each. Top yeah. three each. Oh boy. <laughs> You're on the hot seat now. <laughs> 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 should we go through with a super hot take or should we be real here? <laughs> I mean, you can, I mean, I'm always down for some sizzlers. So, you know, as in, in your words, ruffling some jimmies. First place men, Dakota Jones. Ooh, love it. Dakota Jones. Second. With, too. with, yes. Okay, so this might change, right? I hear that Dakota is biking to Western States. Last time he did that, he won Pikes Peak and set a downhill record. So, and this is a net downhill race, so maybe Dakota will just break the, the course record after a bike. Ooh. Maybe, all right. Um, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> no, you, Dakota Jones. Dakota Jones, first place, all right? And mind you people, I'm looking at this list and I'm getting vastly um, overwhelmed with just how many freaking ballers are on here, all right? But Dakota Jones is winning the dang thing, all right? Second place. Arlen Glick. Oh, the Ohio <laughs> yes. yes. Arlen's Darlins. Here yes. we go, all right? Third place. Our boy, Scotty Trayer. Run faster, baby. Dude, I need the shirt that you posted on your Strava that said, if you see this man, run faster. Right. Yes. Scotty Trayer, third place, with the naked vest full of ice, all there right? You there you go. With the button-up shirt, too and the bedazzled hats, all right? So that's my top three. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm even gonna lock it in, all right? Lock it in, it's lock, locked lock in. It in right? It's locked in. Well, there you go, you hear Nathaniel's picks. For my men's, and again, this might change. We're doing a Western States preview episode, so this might change, uh, doing more research, but on my top three, whew, I, for first place, I'm, I flip between the first place so much on the men's side. I am curious to say this. I know Nathaniel vehemently disagrees with me on this one, but I think I think uh, I think Hayden Hawks Man. will come first. Notice how Hayden Hawks wasn't in my top three. I know, I know, but <laughs> I got a lot of experience on this course. <laughs> he, I think, I think this is his year. Um, I hope so. I yeah. I like Hayden. 
Right. Yeah. Great guy. And but yeah, I, I do. I do potentially see this either being a really good race, or it could go the other way. Because he, I know he'll probably want to go out hard. He'll probably want to like really just race this. And if it pays off, if the risk pays off, I think he can take it. Um, but who knows? Uh, so I think Hayden Hawks won. I agree with your. I, I, I have the same two and three though. I say two is Arlen Glick for sure, and I even think Arlen has a chance to win this. I do. I think Arlen's got a chance to win this, and I think third place is our guy Scotty Trayer, who I will be I will be crewing to get him to that M three. So that's why he's going to get third. Maybe if you ask her, because our boy Joe here is going to be. I got the inside scoop. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So so how about the uh, the the women out there? What? What's your top? You did have a hot take until. I did have a hot take, but I take it back because she's not even registered. <laughs> <laughs> um, I should, I, I should maybe do some research before this thing. Sh- shouldn't we all? No, I'm in the same boat. Corn, you do alter first. You, yeah, uh, lock that in. Lock yeah, that in. The, the Dow crowd is going to be coming in, in and the uh, soup and everyone on here, right? Um, second place, I'm with Keela. Keely. Yes. Manager. That is a force to be reckoned with right there. Third place. Oh boy. You know, I was looking at all of it and it, you know, I started getting a headache like five minutes ago. Um, you know, Ooh, I like that pick. Okay, I like that it was pick. Tied between Heather Jackson or Leah. Leah, oh, she's, I know, like Leah could. She could win the damn thing. She could win the thing. She could. Any one of these women can win the damn thing. I'm, I'm looking at just on ultra sign up here. I should be looking at the actual Western States thing here, but um, I'm looking at ultra sign up. I'm looking at just as much as my screen can fit, like 20 different women here, and either any one of these 20 women could win this. So I think that's what's going to come down to your Western States preview episode. But yeah, that's what I'm halfway locking in. I love halfway lock in. So we got we got a 50% lock in on that. I will say my women's is the same two as yours for top two. So Courtney and Keeley, third place though is Nicole Bitter. I think Nicole Bitter is just having an incredibly strong race season. She's racing some of the strongest running she's ever had. And I think, I believe, again, I got to do more research on this. The last time she was at States, um, I, I think she was having some work kind of stress and things like that. And I believe she DNF'd. But I think now she is so strong, so locked in. Um, Bandera and Javelina, both incredible results um, in a short amount of time, too, to put up two golden ticket efforts like that. Um, on, on pretty stacked fields out there. I, I think Nicole Bitter is going to come out in third on this one. Man. But I think, I, I think the wild card spot I'm, will I'm be Leah. Leah, though, Leah could, be, could be in there for sure. Or even Eden Nelson. I mean, like, the, the, I'm very intrigued in the women's field. I think that's going to be a fun race. I'm, I'm scrolling, and there's still names. Like, Jen Quilty's on here. Yeah. Uh, where we were talking about the Chinese ultra runners. They're all they're, they're, they're going to be showing up in force, too. Meg Morgan. Meg Morgan. Lord Almighty. It's going to be stacked. It's going to yeah. be stacked. Uh, Camille. Look at that. <laughs> right? Like, we've seen the progression of Camille over the years, right? From, from not doing so great, I believe, dropping one year, and then getting that uh, W10 or in the top 10 uh, last year. Like, yeah. seeing the improvement. Oh Emily Hogman. How could we forget that? <sighs> She's so solid. So solid. You, you, it's not up to me. I'm not a good person to talk about this type of stuff because there are more, there are more versed people in the uh, actual 
individuals here, but there you go. Hey, well, it's always fun to hear and, and make hot takes and ruffle some jimmies. That's, that's yeah, what it's all about. There you go. Sweet. Well, Nathaniel, dude, this uh, episode was freaking awesome, man. I thought this was so fun. I'm glad we got to, to – we were blessed by your shoe expertise here because uh, I don't think I've ever gone in-depth – on shoes yeah. ever in this podcast so like this is going to be super helpful super useful it's going to be a benchmark episode for sure so and there's definitely people out there like i said what i talked what we talked about today like i said it's not exactly groundbreaking stuff it's stuff that people know but i think overcomplicate. they just go to your local spots get fitted you know especially by someone that like i mean shoot, it's, it's hard to say like certain someone because so many people are just so experienced in this realm um it's not just a job for a lot of these people it is literally them it's their service to the community so they're not just in it for a paycheck for a lot of these people they're in it to to service you service the community get the right shoe on their foot there's nothing more hurting too getting a wrong shoe on your foot that kills run specialty people the most because it's just like oh man i got it wrong and internally they're like man that that kind of hurts but that's, that's also at the same time why you got to try to shoe. so yeah. a lot of people out there are playing more ex- experience than i do and stuff like that i've been doing this for like i've been at soul for five-ish years i've been doing this for eight-ish years just people that have been doing this for 40 plus years <laughs> that have seen more way more so but you still have tons of knowledge man like seriously it's so cool to hear all this stuff all this insight and everything and i totally agree with you i think the only times that i've ever had shoes that didn't work with me it's because i didn't consult someone before there you go and yeah. I think I think there's a there's a common thread in there, there for go. sure. I think that's a lot of blocks. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. And so before I ask my last question on the podcast, like if people locally in the Phoenix area want to connect with you, obviously tell them a little bit about Soul Sport. But maybe if there's someone else, they're virtually they want to follow along and you know uh, you know follow along your journey on the interwebs. And as you get into Javelina this year and race your first yeah, 100 miler as well, I'm number 300 something on the wait list. Can we make something happen? Bump our guy up. Come on. Bump him up. Come on. <laughs> Everyone else in the wait list is like, hey, like, hey come, yeah, come on. Yeah. <laughs> but where, where can our listeners uh, find you locally here in Phoenix yeah. or on the interwebs if they're tuning in from somewhere else? So locally, um, Soul Sports Running Zone, I am primarily out of the Tempe location on Warner and Rural, all right? Uh, if you know where Postino is in South Tempe or Ghost Ranch, we're right in that same complex, all right? Next to Landis Cycler, you can find me there pretty much all the time, all right? I'm also at also, obviously, a lot of events as well that Soul Sports helps or is putting on, plus plenty of Air Viper races. Um, also, of course, you can find me on the trails, stuff like that. Um, uh, social handles on the gram, Chan underscore Nathaniel, and that's N-A-T-H-A-N-I-E-L, Chan underscore Nathaniel. There you go. You can also follow Soul Sports on the gram, Soul Sports. There you go. Super easy. <laughs> easy enough. Yeah. And I highly, I always like following even your stories too, because like you, you post like updates on like new shoes coming out and like, uh, or even just some of the events that you're doing like locally too with Soul Sports, which is super cool. So highly suggest you follow Nathaniel. Root him on as he's going into Javelina. And if you're local, please check out Soul Sports in Tempe. I think every time I've been there, you haven't been, <laughs> but I feel like it's always been on like the weird days where like, 
like you've been off yeah, or something like that. Probably came out on a Sunday or Monday. We're on Sunday. Sunday. I always Sunday. go on Sundays. There you go. Always I go on Sundays. Sundays now, right? There you go. Yeah. There you go. Just just to help me with my needs. Um, but anyways, Nathaniel, dude, this was awesome. I appreciate you a ton. You know the last question coming to you because you've heard this uh, probably in many different episodes. But because the show is called Everyday Ultra, show is designed to help our listeners become better endurance athletes every day. So my question to you, my friend, is what can our listeners do every day to be a better endurance athlete? Keep getting out there. Keep just 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 do it. Trademark. <laughs> Shout out Muslim Sarah. Just do. Just get out there. Right. Just. Just enjoy the grind, and yeah, that's that's the absolute best thing you can do is to tell yourself every day to get out there. Exactly, and I, I love how it's like the same theme of what we were talking about with shoes, how there's just so much things out there, but it's pretty simple. S- same thing goes with running. It's just the thing you can do every day is doing the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Do the thing. Do the thing. Like anything else. Just do the thing, you know? So good. Yeah. So good. Any last, uh, any last words, comments? Jimmy Rufflers? You know, now that I, uh, we look back at it, I hear back in the conversation, I don't think we offended anyone. That's good. I think everyone was nice and settled in. Hey, you know, <laughs> we'll always have plenty of time to do that later yeah, on. We can talk firstly about shoes, and then I can piss you off. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, thank you, dude. Thanks again for coming on, man. This is awesome. Rock on, brother. Absolutely, man. That was fun. Thank you so much for listening to the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I appreciate you taking the time to do so. And if you absolutely love the show and want to support us in any ways, there's a few ways that you can do so. The first way is writing us a review on the platform of your choice. Reviews really, really matter and they help us to spread the word a lot more. So if you have the time to do so, would love that as well. Number two, you can join our Patreon community. Patreon helps us to support the show and helps us to grow and invest into new developments and growth. And on top of that, just for about $5 a month, you can get access to monthly calls with me where you can ask me anything on a monthly basis, connect with other members in the Everyday Ultra community, and ultimately get early access episodes without ads as well, which is super, super cool, all for about $5 a month. So it's a great way to support us. And then number three is taking care of our sponsors on here. So as you heard in the beginning of the podcast, uh, we had some sponsors in here. And if you want to invest into their products, and uh, go try them out. They're all products that I try either in my training and I live by. I don't take any sponsorships from anybody I don't incorporate in my training. So uh, feel free to take advantage of their product and tell them that Joe sent you from Everyday Ultra. Those are three ways to support the podcast, but no matter which way that you choose or if you don't choose a way at all, just know that I really appreciate you for listening in. And there's tons of podcasts out there. And the fact that you're listening to us, that really, really means a lot. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. And remember... Become a better endurance athlete every day, and we'll see you real soon. Take care.